Hello, everyone. I'm Matt, and this is my wife, Amy. And before we get into our story too deep, we want to give you guys a snapshot on where we were 11 years ago. It was actually 11 years ago today that Amy and I were um, on a flight out to Cabo, and they'll put a picture up there in just a second. And what we were on a couple's trip, and so we were a young married couple, um, 30 years old, and um, what you're going to hear is just where we were at that point in time. This, this story tells exactly where our marriage was 11 years ago today. And so we, um, if you've ever gone on a couple's trip, one of the things that's, that's fun about those is you're getting away from the kids. We had two young kids. And getting away from the kids, we're getting some time alone together. And uh, you would think that it would be a great situation when you're on the beach uh, with your spouse, someone that you um, were, were at one point deeply in love with, um, and you, you're, you can't imagine better circumstances. I can't imagine better circumstances. It was a really nice place. It was a Mexican, Mexican hotel, so we were in the, deep into the culture. And Amy and I were sitting on this porch, and it was a perfect day, and we were having breakfast together. And uh, we remember the story slightly differently, so I'm telling my version of it. Um, but I look, one of us looked across the table from the other one and said, said to them, you know, I really don't like you very much anymore. And the other one responded, you know, I really don't like you very much either. And we just didn't. And there was, uh, for, for myself at least, I was not abiding in Christ. There was no fruit um, coming out of my relationship with Christ. And so Amy's going to give you a little bit more backstory on how we got there, and then I'm going to do that, and that'll lead to that point in time, and then we'll tell you where we came, for, where we came from from there. Hello. <laughs> um, okay, so um, just jumping into the story. Um, I'm originally from Texas. Um, my mom and biological father um, divorced when I was about two, um, and my mom remarried a, a good man um, when I was about four, and he legally adopted me. And I think, I think in my four-year-old mind, I'm thinking, this is my dad, but I didn't feel like his daughter. And so I think that would start kind of the course down the road of me trying to um, achieve um, or to feel um, certain things that I mean, weren't realistic, because obviously I wasn't his natural daughter. Um, we were raised Catholic, um, and I think I would have told you that I believed in God at a really young age. Um, I really um, would have called myself a Christian, but it wasn't really... Um, until later in college that I fully understood the gospel um, and grace. And so a lot of my childhood and growing up was very works-based. Looking back, I can see um, where I worked for validation, um, for acceptance, um, for my self-worth. And I think that really started with my dad, which that wasn't his expectation that he put on me, but I think that's what I was trying to achieve to make have that magic feeling uh, that I belonged to him. Um, and I think that just spilled over into my relationships with boys, um, and I made some bad decisions with that. And then um, ultimately that spilled into my relationship with the Lord. Um, Matt and I met our freshman year at Texas Tech. Um, we met once um, our freshman year. Matt will explain that more. Um, and that was enough. Um, but I remember who he was because he was really tall. Um, and then that was it. And then um, our last semester of our senior year was when we actually had our first conversation. Um, by that time, we had both um, become followers of Christ. Um, and there was an obvious difference in Matt's countenance, um, the way he just carried himself. There was a softness. There was a tenderness there. Um, actually, um, because of some of the bad decisions I had made in my previous relationships, um, Matt was actually the first person I had told about one of those, and he was the first example of God's grace um, in my early walk. 
Um, and I mean, that was incredibly attractive and appealing. And um, so I was really drawn to him. And, and we were, we were the best of friends. It was the easiest. I always joke we had like Seinfeld relationship because it was just so easy to talk to each other um, and laugh. And we had a good time. Um, we dated about three months and then graduated. Um, and then we went to our respective cities for the next 15 months. And back then, because um, we're going, we just celebrate 18 years, uh, there was no email or, or cell phones, and so long distance was hard. Uh, we sent a lot of letters, and we recorded a lot of cassette tapes that we still have, uh, and we sent those back and forth to each other. And it was really romantic looking back at it, but it was a hard year for me. I was back in Houston. My relationship with my parents was strained. I was working really long hours, and I was trying to depend on the Lord, but I was really living in isolation. And so that just continued the pattern for me into our marriage. Yeah, so as Amy said, during our first social event, our freshman year in college, she met me, and I don't remember meeting her because I was probably not in a place where I would remember much. And so I was not doing very well as a freshman in college. And I don't blame her for having the reaction that she did because it was a negative reaction to something that, most women would have to a guy like me at that point in time. But God, through his kindness, did uh, use some friends in my life to bring, him, bring me to himself a couple years later. And as Amy said, we were at a different social event um, a few years later. And the first time that I remember seeing her, or, and she remembers seeing me, and, there were, and she had a positive response toward me. And then I saw her in class um, literally just a few days later, and I was very attracted to her, but I, for some reason, didn't believe that she could be a Christian for whatever reason. And, um, and, but I, she said to me, hey, I saw you at this social event the other night, and it was a Christian social event. And I said, really? Well, that's, that's pretty cool. And so I, I talked to one of her friends, who we, was a mutual acquaintance of ours, and she connected us, and the rest is history. We got married about um, 15 months later. Um, so the first few years of marriage were great. I mean, you know, you're married to your best friend. That's wonderful. Um, we're still trying to figure some things out. Uh, it, it wasn't until years five and seven, though, we started to kind of get rocky. Our babies were coming at that point in time. Matt was really trying to build a business that he had started. And we were just becoming more and more disconnected. I was staying home with the kids and very much into diapers and Thomas, the engine, and, uh, you know, Matt was out creating things, and um, we were just really disconnected. We were great partners, uh, we were great roommates, but we really weren't great husband and wife, and we really weren't even friends at that point in time. I had jumped into the church we were, we were at the time, and I was doing mops, and I was trying to do Bible studies, and I had a really sweet network of friends, but they weren't married to his friends, and so we just didn't have anybody in common um, for community purposes. Um, we would try to go on dates, but it was hard to find sitters, and they were few and far between. And half the time when we were on our date, we were still trying to find something to connect on, something over than the kids. And so there just wasn't anything in common anymore. For my part, I realize now, looking back, that I was projecting on Matt. Um, subconsciously, I was expecting him to meet my need for validation as I spoke of in the beginning. That pattern continued. I, I needed him to say the magic phrase that would make me feel validated for... Um, what I was doing at home or my parenting or even my, my physical appearance. And when he wouldn't say the magic phrase, I um, just started to get really rejected. And I built a wall of defensiveness, and I started, uh, in turn, um, basically anything he would say I was negatively interpreting and um, was just uh, just not very kind to him, I think. Uh, 
I can remember several conversations with God around that time too, of just kind of, is this it? Is this, is this what marriage is going to be like? Cause I, I had, I thought it was going to be different. I thought it was gonna be more passionate. I thought it was going to be, you know, excitement all the time. And, and it was just disenchanting. And I can just, just remember just being really sad. And, and to Matt's point, when we were in Cabo, I can remember he was up at the pool taking a nap and I was down by the beach and I had my sunglasses on and I'm just crying. I'm just crying because I'm just so sad about the state of my marriage and knowing that divorce was not an option for us and just feeling stuck and just thinking, Lord, where are you in this? What do we do? Uh, And I don't like him. You know, what is that? What what are we supposed to do with that? And we've got babies at this point in time. And and so divorce wasn't an option until we came back from Cabo. And I remember us coming out of church one morning and Matt got frustrated with me about something. And I just, I just lost it. I was just done. I, I just, I said, you know what? I can't, I can't do this anymore, and I think you would just be happier if you were just somebody else. And it was just hard, because that was the first time we allowed divorce to come into our, our thing. Anyway, regroup. Um, and so, um, so that was just a really big moment for us. Uh, we, we had some more words. Um, we, took, we took a break. Uh, and really prayed. I, I really prayed. I really felt Not like, a wow. physical break. We just took no, no, no. no. Yeah, like separate rooms. Um, and um, and within an hour, uh, we came back to each other. And Matt just said, "Hey," he goes, "I just think we both need to pursue a relationship with Christ again." And I think that's the only way we're going to get better. And so from that, we decided, "Hey, we need to change of church. Um, we need community, and we need to get into that." So Amy did a good job telling a good part of the story. I'm going to do my best to fill in a few of the gaps. Um, So I agree with Amy that we had drifted from Christ, and as a result, we had drifted from one another. For me personally, um, I had developed a critical spirit. I had uh, become performance-oriented, and I had been still dealing with pornography. And so there was just some other stuff going on that was, I was allowing to pull me away from Jesus, was was pulling me away from Amy. And Jesus, you know, Jesus says himself that if I'm not abiding with him, I can't bear any fruit. And so I was certainly not bearing any fruit in our marriage. And my relationship with Jesus was not bearing a lot of fruit as a result of um, the way I was disconnecting myself from him. And, you know, um, I'll tell you this story about what was, I think it's a really good snapshot into what was happening during our marriage at that time and how I was discouraging Amy. Um, Having someone who's critical toward you all the time, someone who's evaluating your performance, someone who is um, judging you on how you're doing relative to their standards is not a really great place to be. I wouldn't want to be married to that person. And so I would measure myself uh, based on how well I was doing you know, not looking at pornography or performing. And as a result of my performance, I would place those same standards on on Amy. Well, I'm performing well right now, so she should. Or I'm not performing very well right now, so she shouldn't be performing very well right now. And what what a burden to put on um, someone. And so that's what I was doing. And so Amy said this, but we began to look at different options after our Cabo trip and after we started talking about divorce briefly, uh, where could we go? And so we knew some friends here, and uh, there were some guys I really looked up to here. There was no one at our previous place that we were hanging out that I really looked up to. And that was probably more my issue than anybody else's issue. But for whatever reason, I didn't have confidence that the folks that I was hanging around there were going to 
help me become a better person. I know that's very self-centered, but that's the way I was, I was looking at it. And then we came here, and, and um, really in the first service, Amy and I both walked out of there, and we said, you know, there's some people here that I think that we could really learn from. You guys, I think you've heard this before. I, I love this idea that if you want to get healthy, spend as much time with the healthiest person that you, or people that you can find that you can stand spinning around them. So, you know, it's hard to spend time sometimes around healthy people because, you, you know, for me at least, because I look at them and I look at me and I um, unfortunately sometimes play the comparison game and I think, God, oh, they're so much more healthy than me. How much time can I stand to spend around them? And that'll probably do, make me a little bit better. And well, that, that actually ended up being a great option for Amy and I. You know, Todd Wagner, who's a pastor here, he often says, if you want to um, change things, change your playground and change your playmates. Well, that's what what God allowed us to do. We, we moved uh, friendships from some of the friends that we had where we were before. We moved where we were spending some of our social time, and that had a pretty significant impact on us. Um, and so if you fast forward about a year into that, so 10 years ago, one of the guys who were in our, we got into a community group really quickly. And so two months into being members here, we had some couples around us and couples who I think, you know, we're, there are going to be picture frames of those couples in heaven in our, in our house because been, they had such a big impact on us. Uh, one of the guys in particular, Rick Wisner, Amy and I um, were not doing very well one day. And, and uh, think about this. There's a young mom with her two young children outside during this time of the year putting up Christmas lights and Christmas decorations on their home. And so she's doing, you know, what every young mom should be doing with her kids, a four-year-old and a two-year-old, and they're outside and they're decorating. And, um, and I, I look down from the upstairs window and I see them decorating. And this, I, this is so embarrassing, but I, I looked down and I said, you know, they're not doing a very good job. I'm going to go down there and tell them, it's a four-year-old, a two-year-old, and a young mom. They're not doing a very good job. I'm going to go down there, and I'm going to tell them they're not doing a very good job. And so I walked downstairs. I walked outside, and I said, you know, if we're going to do something, let's do it with excellence. That's what I said to her. That's really what I said to her. And uh, she said, looked at me, and she said, you're stealing my joy. And uh, I was. And we walked inside later. I don't know if you finished doing the Christmas lights or not, but... And she took him down. Um, and so we walked inside three or four hours of conversation later, uh, which wasn't really helpful conversation. Um, we, I told one of my guys in the community group about this, and he said, man, I think you have a critical spirit towards your wife. And I had never heard that, those two words put together that way, but they're self-explanatory, and that's exactly what I had. And so... Uh, he began to help me understand what that meant. And it was all wrapped up in what I'd already mentioned. It was all wrapped up in performance orientation, pornography, you know, evaluating my performance. And, um, and I did indeed have a critical spirit toward Amy. So over the next few years, um, next five years to be exact, this group of couples stuck pretty close together and we encouraged each other in our faith. And there were a lot of stuff that we worked through. We worked through a lot of things. A lot of the couples in the community group we were with were working through a lot of things as well. Um, But I needed to look accurately at my own sin. I needed to look accurately at what I was doing that was not very helpful to Amy or the kids that we were beginning to raise together. And and I also needed to understand God's love better. I don't think... I read a book. uh, It's called Search for Significance and another book called True Faced. And that was probably the first time I understood God loved me period, no matter what. 
Um, I, I, I think I intellectually understood it, but I don't think until we going through those books with the guys in our community group did I really understand it here. And, and it began to kind of transact back and forth between my brain and my heart. Um, and things slowly began to change. And that doesn't mean that we do things perfectly at all by any means. It just means that God's love began to become the forefront of the way that we looked at ourselves, not through our own performance, not through my own performance, but through God's grace. Um, it, it, yeah, Watermark was a great transition for us. Um, it definitely, I think, the, the body of Christ helped save our marriage, I think, in that. Um, I jumped into women's Bible study. I knew I needed God's word. I needed to start memorizing scripture. And I jumped in and we, I did the Wednesday morning and we were studying Luke. And in that, I, there was a whole study on uh, if you're not growing, if you're not pursuing Christ, if you're not studying, if you're not abiding, then you're not growing. You're just kind of standing still and you can't actually do that. As a believer, you're either moving forward or you're moving backwards. And I was moving backwards. And so I started to shift my thinking. I started to recognize that I was putting this burden on Matt to meet this extraordinary need that he was not capable of doing. And I turned and found my significance in Christ again. And I learned to redirect um, any of those feelings that I was having of self-worth or um, not being worthy, uh, not being accepted, and really just remembered who I was in Christ. Uh, I really, I went to my girls in the community group. I told them I was struggling. I told them what I needed them to hold me accountable to when, around Matt and around other things in my life. And Philippians 4, 8 became a really go-to verse for me, just thinking about what was true and what was right and what was noble and lovely. And, and anytime I would try to go down those rabbit trails of insecurity, I would just remind myself of that. And that would draw me back to Christ and who I was. And that was wonderful. And our marriage definitely took an upswing. And we still had some ground to cover in conflict resolution, though. I was the majority of the weenie model, I would like to say. I um, definitely uh, would negatively interpret. And um, I definitely um, escalated our our conversations. Um, We had to come up with phrases to stop the cycle of the need to be right. Both of us had a desire to be right, even if it was about who was that actor who starred in that movie, and you'd be surprised what kind of conflict would come out of that. And it was ridiculous, but it was real for us. And um, so we had to start, we came up with, I love you more than this. And so one person would just say, I love you more than this. And you might grit your teeth, but you said, okay. I love you more than this. We won't talk about it anymore. Um, and then there, more recently, we came up with, I could be wrong about that, um, in a way to uh, just let the other person know that we're open to seeking to understand their side of things. And just making sure that when you, rec- you went to be reconciled and redeemed to each other, it doesn't mean that you have to agree. It just means that you're loving each other in humility and, and, and love, and you're listening to them. And, and that was really big for us. And community has been super vital uh, just helping hold us accountable in that and calling us out in a Christ-loving way. It's usually the little things in our relationship that have led to the bigger arguments. And so those two little statements, as insignificant and silly as they might seem, we, were, we weren't arguing over big things. We were arguing over things that didn't matter. And Amy, I think, I don't know, I think you came up with both of those. Okay. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and it's, they've been great, right? And so, you know, fast forward to this last summer, which we returned back to Cabo, and we decided to take another trip there and take the risk. I'm, Amy even said, hey, should we go back there? And I said, I think we should. We should give it another shot. Let Cabo redeem itself. Um, so that's the second trip. And Amy um, and I had a great time together. 
it was a very, very rich time. We, the circumstances were, the, were very, very similar to the first set of circumstances. We may have had a little bit of a nicer hotel, but overall the circumstances were pretty much exactly the same. And the relationship had just changed significantly over the last 10 or 11 years. And um, I would tell you today, though we are not at all, don't hear us say, I please don't hear us say that we've got this figured out. But I would tell you, though, that is that I value Amy's opinion more than I ever have before. Um, I don't make any big decisions without her and certainly would love her input on all small decisions. Whenever I can get time with her, um, I'll take it. And the more time that I get with her, the more time I want to spend around her. Um, that's crazy good stuff when I can say that to you and say, I absolutely love spending time around her. We, spend, we go on walks together, when we you know, are having our Friday lunch dates, when we, which we try to do every week. We try to go on a Friday lunch date every week, and we'll just download with one another what happened throughout the week. And um, she has incredible insight and wisdom to offer me on all things, but especially in the context of relationships. And so if I ask her, honey, you know, this is something I'm dealing with at work, or this is something I'm dealing with with one of my friends, here's, here's the information. Can you help me think through this? She is incredibly helpful. Now, I say that, I'm not trying to evaluate her performance. I say it because I love her, and I value her input, and I value her feedback, and she just helps me uh, in a way that I don't even know if I was open to 10 or 11 years ago. Um, And so she's my best friend, and doesn't mean we don't argue, doesn't mean we don't you know, sometimes say, I don't really want to say I could be wrong because I really think I'm right. But it does mean that we love each other in a way that was very, very different than 10 or 11 years ago. And, you know, if I can get it, I'm going to spend, I'm going to spend the time with her. Um, and just lastly, we would just love to leave with you. Um, just through the course of these years when we've been intentionally pursuing Christ, um, and it has been amazing, he is amazing, and all the glory should be given to him and praise absolutely for where we are right now. Um, really, I, I think both of us realized that how much we loved each other as best friends. I love Song of Songs in 516. It says, this is my friend and my beloved. And that verse just struck me of, he is my best friend. He's my partner. He's the one. And so it shifted our thinking into realizing that, hey, he's my brother in Christ, first and foremost. And so I should be looking at him through the lens of God and not reflect responding in my flesh because I've been given the great privilege of praying for him, of spurring him on. And for my part, for making sure that he finishes the race strong, because I'm going to be held accountable for that. And, and God is crazy about this guy. And, and so am I. And so I would love to encourage you guys to look at each other as brothers and sisters in Christ first and then friends, and then spouses. And it really is in that order because once you've got that harmony of this relationship is one, that friendship naturally comes, and then there's just a natural affection and a desire to kiss one another. It just happens. Um, and so I would really just love to encourage that. I, I, think it's, I think it's been critical for our thinking because we do struggle, and we do get lost in our circumstances sometimes, and so it's yeah. important to refocus. Uh, so just my response to her choosing to look at me as her brother in Christ and her friend first before some spouse that has a certain set of expectations to live up to or not, depending upon how our relationship's going. That has been awesome for me as her husband because uh, I realize when she's giving me coaching and feedback and encouraging me that she's doing it because she's trying to help me get to heaven in a way that's going to be honoring to Jesus. 
She's not trying to figure out how she makes me into the perfect husband. She's trying to figure out how she makes me into a man that God looks at and says, well done, good and faithful servant. Come. Thank you.